If you're an adventurer, there's one place that you absolutely have to shop. There is, because there's this place called Mototomic, and they have the gas can hoodie, which when you put it on, it feels like a hug. And if you're a true adventure rider, you know that some days don't go as planned and you need a hug. But not only the gas can hoodie, Mototomic has other things too. Like what, Cappy? Like beanies, cups, stickers, t-shirts, and probably my favorite dry bag. That orange dry bag is badass. It is. Mototomic.com. Link in the description. So, Chappie, I got a confession to make. Confess to me. I've been talking to our buddy from B-Moto, Paco Pete. You know B-Moto, that shop that does really cool stuff like... Off-road performance engines and suspensions. They even can Cerakote with ceramic finishes. So the outside is just as strong as the inside. Which is awesome and brings me to my confession, Cody Proof Certification. Because Paco Pete told me they're going to take care of my engine and Cody Proof it. That's something that not too many places can say. No, definitely not. I would just suggest go over to bmoto.com and check it out. They've got some pictures of what they do. Bootiche.com. Link in the description of the podcast. Yes, because it's hard to spell, but they do good work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Throttled Adventures. Cody, how the hell are you? Doing well, doing very well. Yourself? I'm doing all right. Things are going okay with the house. Uh, just in the waiting game now. So, Love the waiting game. Yes. Not. Uh, you had a, <laughs> a soggy, soggy adventure over the, the weekend. Yeah, I was the wet noodle. Jeez. Wet noodle. No lightning? Lots of lightning. Lots of lightning. <laughs> Lots of yeah. lightning. So that that explains the hotel room. <laughs> yep, that is the hotel room and the flash flood and the lightning, yeah. <laughs> Plus, uh, when you realize that there's only one hotel room, and or you got to go back like the 70 miles you already rode that day. Oh, fuck that. And I was like, nope. Plus, it was raining, lightning. Roads were washing out. Yeah, good times, good times. Yeah. <laughs> so as you've seen with the artwork, uh, we had the chance to sit down and talk with Todd Zacker from Zacker Adventures. Um, as always, links in the description for all things pertinent to the episode. Don't throttle out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess without further ado... Unless you have something pressing that you want to talk about. Nope. Let's jump into it. A little bit different format here. Uh, it's This is a long episode, but it is well worth it. Um, so we're going to jump right in. It's going to catch it in progress. Same bike, the guy in, what was it? Uh, the Art of, or the Zen. Zen of Art oh, of yeah. Uh, Maintenance. Yep. Hmm? Whatever he was riding. In that it's the same bike, and he showed me a picture of the guy on the bike with Chris's that kid's son on it, and then he and then his bike sitting right there. So it's kind of cool. That is really cool. But it's anyway. funny. I was listening to the NHL Network, and they brought up that book. Really? <laughs> oh, some somebody was like, 
how that uh, that book was just it was more than just you know working on motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Like have you have you heard it or have you read it or read it? I have I have not. I've I've heard of it. I have not had a chance yet. But. Well, I listened to it on my way from Chicago here. Oh wow! Yeah, and? I've had so many people recently tell me to listen to it, and I did, and it was it was great. It's not a motorcycle book at all. Oh wow! It really is. It's a philosophy book. Is cool. what it is. That's what they were. That's what they were saying. <laughs> It is. It's, it's all about philosophy. It's, and what's very interesting about it was I was sitting there and I tell people all the time that, uh, uh, I try to figure out how to teach people feel on a motorcycle because so many people start riding later in life and they have to, uh, uh, they don't get feel and that's the easiest way for you to explain it to someone. You're like, well, you got to do this and you'll feel the bike doing this or feel the bike doing that. And you get, that's how you get used to it. Well, until you get to that point, it's very difficult. And most people that are starting later in life, they don't have that. So what they do is they go in and they say, okay, um, I need to analyze what I'm doing. So they spend all this time figuring out let's, we're going to analyze, uh, what I'm doing with my hands, what I'm doing with my body position, what did it, you know, all this stuff. Right. And I've gotten to the point where, um, I was sitting there one day and I'm watching somebody do, uh, do some drills. And I literally could see their brain working every movement. I mean, like in order of how you're taught how to do something. And I thought, I told, I just told them to stop. I said, stop. And they go, what? And I said, yes, your mechanics are perfect, but I can see them. It's not fluid. And then I said to them, they were actually working to train to do something very specific. And I said to them, I said, um, all right, you're, you're, you're going to do okay at what you're going to do, but you will not be the top rider. You won't be chosen and to be, you know, in, in the, in the top three. And they asked me why. And I said, because you're doing it for the wrong reason. And they go, what do you mean? I said, you need to truly love riding before you can fluidly do stuff. And, and by truly loving riding, what's going to happen is you're just going to ride and ride. And then as you're doing that, your skill, you can't drill yourself to, uh, experience. And so by riding, you start working all these things in and then it starts clicking with you. I mean, even to this day, I sit there um, and and things will click with me that are things that I've trained myself on or, tr- or been at training and been trained to do. And I don't realize it until I'm riding one time. I'm like, oh, wow, I just did that. And, but it's a, it's a feel for me. So the other day I said to somebody, I said, what I'm going to do from now on is I'm just going to tell people, go ahead and uh, put your boots on and drive your car for a week. Because what's the biggest complaint anybody says? I hate wearing boots because you don't have any feel. And I thought to myself one day, bullshit, you can ha- you have feel. You can feel that. And I'm riding my bike and I'm like, I don't feel a damn thing. And then that's exactly what I thought. I said, I can't feel a damn thing through these boots. So... <laughs> And so I thought to myself, how can I get this 
translated to people because I, they're right. You don't feel the tech, you don't have that tactile feeling, but what you feel is the bike's movements, the reaction of the bike and stuff like that. And, uh, so anyway, you, you, you go into that and the one thing that everybody does is they drive a car and they have muscle memory of driving a car. You know, you, you know, you don't have to think like that one rider was doing, you know, right. to pick your foot off the brake or off the gas, put it on the brake and how much to push on the brake because you feel the car going. And yes, the first couple of times you're going to, you might bounce your head off the steering wheel, but, or, or your passenger's head off the dash, <laughs> yeah. but you'll get that feel. And then you'll, you know, you'll just get right to it. And so once you do that, then go to the bike and you'll start feeling the bike's reaction. And that's the whole idea. Cause you know, you can't teach feel. I, it's I love that because that's kind of how I've made it through life. Not that I've done real well, but it's. it's What's all, that bouncing you know, your head off the dashboard? No, or? Yeah, that too. I've done that, but you know, the feel like just, yeah. just feeling things and I don't know, using the force or I don't know how you, <laughs> yeah, how, how you board it or how that. you teach it. But like, right. I learned clutch control from just well, mistakes, but right. you know feel and right if you let go too much the wheel comes up to your face then you know you did something wrong <laughs> or right. you stall it <laughs> yeah or you stall it. yeah so that, that that's a long way to get back to uh the art the zen and art of motorcycle maintenance but um literally i think it was chapter six or seven i called my brother and i'm like dave dave i figured it out and he said what and i said well i'm listening to you know, the book. And he goes, Oh, that's really cool. I'm glad. And my brother's a philosophy professor. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, he's like in, 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 so anyway, I said to him, I said, I figured it out. You know, I sit there and I, I tell you that the part I don't like about training people is, um, they overanalyze, they, they, they analyze to this, what I call an, or paralyzation by analyzation. And, and I said, they're not paralyzed because of analyzation. They're paralyzed out of fear. You know, the reason they struggle with things and the reason they tend to overanalyze is because it's a, um, it's a way to uh, shield their fear or hide their fear of what they should be doing. And I was like... Wow, that was awesome. And he goes, I don't know how you got that out of that so far, but okay. I, I don't know either, but you're, that's a great, I follow so, a guy that's really good on the bike and he tells me everything I need to do. And right. you got to have your butt off the seat when you jump this obstacle on the smaller bikes. But right. I analyze what he's saying. He does it. And then for some reason, my brain says, you can't do that. And then I'm scared. So I start <laughs> analyzing and right. The more I look at the obstacle, he finally said, um, if you're looking at it, can't see it in your head. If you look at it too long, you're not going to make it. So just go around and try try the next one. <laughs> right. But well, it is fear. Uh, yeah. So very interesting. Um, my brother's, you know, he, he, he can obviously analyze things a lot better than I do. I've had some really good people that have. Uh, that I've, I've trained that are really, really good at analyzing things. And uh, one thing my brother said is he goes, he goes, when you look at something, 
you go, okay, I can do that. I can do that. Then in between, yeah, that could be a little sketchy, but I know I can do that and that so I can work this out. And so what you got to do is you got to tell yourself, okay, you can do these things because you've done them a thousand times and now put them all together. It's the same thing. So he goes, that's why he says, you'll just, he says, that's what I think is going through your head and you go up to objects and you just do them or do an obstacle or do a, you know, a big hill climb with logs in it or whatever it is. And he said, it's because you know, you can do all those things separately or you've tried to do them separately and you just go, okay, we'll work it out. And boom, you just do it. And so you, you give yourself that confidence and, you know, go back to the analyzation. If you're analyzing every time you do something, you can't react quick enough. You know, the only, the only time you can react quick enough is when it's an accident. <laughs> I swear, I swear it turns into slow motion, right? Does, you're you're riding sure along and, and, you know, something bad's about really to happen. And all of a sudden it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And it's like slow motion. You know, I, I was sitting there a couple of years back. I was racing the sandblast rally on my 1090 and I literally am, I'm crouched down ripping down this sand with huge ruts in it and I'm tucked down and I can see the speedometer and it was, it was climbing up over 119 miles an hour. And all of a sudden the bike goes like this. And all I thought was you got to throttle through a, a tank slapper, right? So I start throttling on, you know, I just, I keep it in it. I keep in it. And I thought to myself, man, this is really going to hurt because that that speed registered in my head. And so I'm thinking, this is really going to hurt when I get down, when I hit. And then it just motors out and away I went. And I get done at the end of the day. And I looked at, I looked and I was talking to my wife and she goes, she goes, you know, how was everything and kind of going through it all? And I go, there was one point that I'm scared about. And she says, what's that? And I said, I'm scared. I was not scared when this happened, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it just like, and, and I hadn't raced it since then. I raced it again this year. I made a mistake. I messed up with my timing when I didn't actually mess up with my timing. I messed up with my timing in my head. So I thought I had to make up like two minutes. So I was trying to make up two minutes. So, you know, everything's thrown to the wind. But I wasn't mm-hmm. on a 1090 this time. I was on a 500, much smarter bike to oh, do stuff like this. Smarter on. bike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I come around a corner. There's a water crossing. I know I'm supposed to go left or right on the water crossing, and I'm trying my best to get right, left or right. But when you're at 80 some miles an hour coming through a corner, and you look and you see, you know, what? you just try to get wherever you can. I hit the water, and I hit just a little bit, not far enough to the left, and it rips my feet off the pegs my head hits the uh, handlebars. I see stars and what goes through my head or what goes through my mind is that's the stars I'm going to see when I hit the ground in a second is what I thought and just stayed in it, motored out of it. I get to the end. I look down and my phone's missing. And that's the only thing I'm pissed about was my phone missing. (laughs) (laughs) And, and (laughs) And I thought to myself, Oh my gosh. You know, I, 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 I lost my phone and, uh, and after that is when one of the guys said, 
Oh, no, no, no. You checked in on time, even though your bike stalled and you had to wait two minutes because two people went ahead of you before you got your bike started. It was fine because I had already come through timing and I got checked in. And mm. so I wasn't, I didn't have to make up time. You didn't have <laughs> oh, to throw geez. caution to yeah. the wind here. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have to almost kill myself to, to make up time. That's minutes. crazy. But uh, anyway, so uh, now, but go ahead. I have Sorry. a question because I watched one of your videos earlier today and it was five tips or common mistakes that uh, new adventure riders make. Oh and yeah. One of them was not throttle out on a big bike. Oh, not to throttle. Well, so, so that's very interesting that you say that <laughs> you're not always right all the time, or let me rephrase that. Every circumstance is a little different. A lot of people like to throttle out. I don't like to throttle out on a big bike. Cause most of the time when people throttle out on a big bike, there's a lot of power there and they don't understand that. And so they're trying to apply 120 horsepower to the ground. But when you're, you can throttle out with 60 horsepower. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, it, and it also depends on the situation. Um, mud. That's a, that's a perfect example. Everybody starts to lose it and then they whiskey throttle. Okay. Or they hit a bump and they get a little squirrely and they think I'm going to throttle out. Well, when you have 500 pounds or 600 pounds throttling out on you, you're at the disposal of the 600 pound or the, that beast underneath you. Absolutely. When you're on, like you were saying, you ride turtle little bikes a lot. Um, when you're on a little bike, that's a, what, 250 pounds max. You know, my 500 weighs 250 pounds max. And, you know, he and I are equal, you know, I'm 250 pounds. My bike's 250 pounds. You know, I can, I can muscle that around a little bit. 500, 600 pound bike. You don't muscle around. So when you try to throttle out on something like that, and it's got so much more horsepower, it's gone. You've lost control of it. Um, And I I wasn't saying you're wrong. I just thought it's funny because you throttled out, but you're a professional. (laughs) So I'm yes, going to say that difference is <laughs> a professional well, people, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's funny you say that because there's something that I did hear literally this week about, um, you're not always right. And when I say that it's not in, in what they meant by it was, it's not that you're not always right. Every situation is different. And what I'm going to do is I'll digress. I'll, I'm going to go back to what, uh, uh, Chappie had originally asked about, um, and that's what I did, um, to get to where I am with big bikes. Okay. And my transition and stuff like that. Um, and so what happened and, and I'll answer that question in this long <laughs> explanation of what I did. Um, I, you know, I used to race, uh, dirt bikes, um, road bikes, Jet skis. Matter of fact, that was probably the most fun thing to stand up, you know, the old 550s back in the 90s. Or yeah. eight, I'm sorry, 80s and 90s. Um, loved those things. That was that was my favorite thing to race. Um, well, I mean, mostly because the women in it are a little better dressed at the beaches than they are at <laughs> the tracks. And back then Absolutely. it was mostly moms. It wasn't, you know, 
like now you look at it and you're like, gosh, I wish I was a racer. I wish I was a racer now. Yeah. Because <laughs> because right. it's a different different caliber of women at the track than they used to be. Granted, the moms are great. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. when you're a kid, moms aren't that great. No. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, so I did all that. And in 1994, I kind of walked away from all of it. I just stopped racing everything. Um, and I had kids, um, took the time off. Um, yeah, I raced or I rode a little bit of dirt bike, um, between time when my kids were getting old enough to ride and we started getting them dirt bikes and stuff like that. We started doing some riding, but I didn't do a lot. And, and it was a good thing. My son made it quite clear to me one time when we went to a track and I had all his buddies with us and we're all out on the track and I'm riding, you know, I think it was a CR 250, uh, like an 06 or something like that. Love that bike. Love that bike. Um, and I'm doing, you know, kind of riding with the kids and everything. And this one guy comes flying in and he like block passes me. He like almost take, he like takes my front wheel out. And I'm like, we're at a, you know, a family track, just kind of a leisure day. And I had, I saw fire. Oh, I saw God, fire. I too. And I got up chasing Mount down by the triple and at the triple, I was coming up behind him with so much speed that I jumped over him and across him and then into the next corner. And I mean, as soon as I hit, I just grabbed my brakes and stopped in front of him and go, and, and I almost lost it on him and my son and all his buddies were sitting there and watched all that. And I came <laughs> back and my son looked at me and goes, we're not allowed to come to the track anymore, dad. <laughs> so so then i took another hiatus i let him you know do his riding and in the girls do their riding and stuff like that but um it wasn't until 2012 um i got an opportunity to start riding again and um so in 2012 i rode 32 bikes 32 motorcycles uh to test and see what bike i wanted and I, the seventh bike was a, uh, 1200 GS BMW, 1200 GS. And everybody said, that's going to suit me the best because I'm kind of an out, I was an outdoorsman. I, I like going and hiking and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to go camp off it, everything else. So I'm like, perfect. That's, I like that bike. And for the next, I don't know how many bikes was it? 20 some more bikes or whatever. I compared everything to the GS. And when I got to that 30 second bike, my friends were like, stop already, just get the GS. We're sick of hearing about it. So <laughs> I went and I bought a, uh, 12, uh, 1200 GS 2012 triple black. I mean, beautiful bike, beautiful bike. Right. Um, and I got the bike and I rode, uh, my break in miles. I rode down from Williamsburg, Virginia, up through the mountains and down to Mountain Lake Resort where they filmed Dirty Dancing. And I'm up there and I'm going, there's a uh, really, really cool gravel road that goes off the backside of that. And I'm riding down that and probably doing probably about 40, 45 miles an hour. And I come into this turn and I'm a little hot for the turn. So I tap that rear brake, right? Settle it down a little bit and I'm going to gas and come out of it, right? This goes back to what do you do? You know, you, you, there's things that are right and things that are wrong. Well, 
I thought it was like the little bike and this is what I was doing. So I hit the brake, they let it settle down and it didn't do anything. Next thing I know, it goes into the ditch and I go into the, not off the mountain. Luckily it, I was on the, the high side of the, the, the road. And so I went down in this ditch and I've got, I'm just, I've got everything pulled. I got my front brake just, I mean, to the, to the bars, I'm standing on my rear brake nothing's happening. And all of a sudden there's this jar. I'm in the middle of the road on my back. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm, I don't want to turn around and look at this bike. I do not want to turn around and look at this bike. My new bike is destroyed. And I turn around and it's sitting upright in the ditch. Oh my. And I'm like, how the hell does this happen? So I walk over to it. When I get over to it, there's a big rock that was sticking out. And my engine guards had hit the rock and bent the engine guard in a little bit, but really didn't damage anything. And it stopped the bike and held it upright. And I flew off of it and landed in the middle of the road. So I get the bike out of the ditch and I'm riding have home. To pick it up. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, with that said, you got to remember it was a 12, 1200 GS. So even if it did fall over, over it's. Yeah. 30% picked up already, yeah. you know, because of the engines. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, I get on it and I go, I'm riding home and about 40, 45 minutes into my ride home, I realize, oh, you idiot. You didn't turn off your ABS. So that's why it wouldn't settle down when I went into the turn, you know, you hit the brake, it didn't settle down because it would, it just kept, did, did, did it. And then when I got in the ditch, it was ABS. And so I get home and I'm like, all right, well, some guys had, you know, I was looking on ADB rider or something like that. And these guys are like, you know, Oh, we're going to the mud road. We're going to the mud road. And I go, Oh, where's the mud road. And I'm sitting there and I'm by myself one day. And I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna go to the mud road. Well, I go riding out to the mud road and I didn't make it 30 yards into the mud road. And I was staring at my back wheel again. And I'm like, I, and I'm, I'm, pissed to say the least at this point. And I walk away from the bike. I might've kicked it. I don't remember at this point, <laughs> but I walk Stop out to the street <laughs> and I turn around and look at it and I'm like, God, this is not the bike. Everybody told me it was, this is not an off-road bike. And mind you, I still had street tires on it. So there's, there is that, but still I'm not going to tire should never be your excuse. It's purely, it's your skill. So I walk back to the bike, I pick up the bike and I ride, I'm riding home and I get a text, you know, some friends of mine were at a bar. So I stop at this bar and I have a couple of beers and that's when I realized that I needed to learn to ride this bike. I made the investment. I got to learn to ride this bike. So I went home and I spent like maybe the next month or so researching and training myself to ride a big bike. And what I realized was all those years of uh, racing, I never learned to use a clutch. And when I say that, yes, I, I learned to use the clutch. I could feather a clutch and stuff like that. I like using feather better than slip. It just sounds like when I hear slip, it sounds like it's going out. It's, yeah. it's, it's going back. It <laughs> right. It so anyway, I did. I took a area probably, I don't know, 20 yards by, you know, 15 yards in my front yard. And I taught myself to ride the bike in it. 
and just basically slow maneuver drills. Learn that clutch, learn the balance, learn those friction zones. Uh, understand that the bike doesn't need throttle to move. You know, that, that GS and, and most bikes, most bikes don't really need much, if any input, very little input to the throttle to get them to move and, and move very well. Um, so that's what I did. And I did that for a while. And then I started hooking up with a, uh, dealership that was in the mountains, um, and working with, or let me rephrase that. I went to one of their rides, you know, they had an adventure ride for like a Sunday adventure ride. And I went out and I had a good old time. And the next, what was it? A couple weeks later, they didn't have it. Then a couple weeks later, they didn't have it. And I said to the guy, I said, what's going on? Are you guys not doing this adventure ride anymore? And and they're like, man, we just don't have the time to set that up. I said, is it okay if I set it up? And, and he go, and they're like, well, heck yeah. So I set up a couple of them. And the second one we went out on the couple of the guys that were decent riders, um, they were, they were actually on DRZs and kind of what I'd call a dual sport bikes. Um, and they just, we get to the end of the ride and they go, can you do us a favor? And I said, what's that? Can you teach us to ride at the pace and through the train, the way you ride through it effortlessly? And I'm like, well, first thing you got to do is start doing everything slow because you can do anything fast. It's, or let me rephrase that. It's easier to do stuff fast when you start slowing stuff down is when it gets difficult. And so that's what I did. I did a training for, for the dealership there and then it just ballooned. And next thing I know, I'm, you know, meeting Chappie at Bob's BMW and doing a big event (laughs) up there, um, where I do, you know, dealer events like that, um, and doing tours and everything else now. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it all went. So back to, you know, what you were saying, sometimes you're not always right, or you think you're not always right. And it depends on the vehicle. Um, so, you know, I taught myself to ride the, the, the big bike. And what's funny about that is, um, in turn, I had to relearn riding the little bike. Um, and I say that kind of in just, I, I did some racing, you know, I did some races, did some 24 hour races, stuff like that on the little bikes and did some hair scrambles. But, um, a couple years back, I ran into some guys that were really, really good technical riders. And I just stumbled on them one day and I said, man, I want to ride with you guys. And the joke is that they hear that all the time, but they don't expect people to actually show up and ride with them. So Yes, I ran into them. I know these people. <laughs> Not, like, they're, they're a certain clan, I'm telling you. So about, I think it was December 29th is when I ran into these guys. And January 27th, I was there with a new 300. And, <laughs> and we wrote, this was, this was uh, 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020. Um, and, or no, 2019, sorry. And so... Uh, I showed up and I rode with them, had a great time. And what was funny about it was, uh, the guy who I'd met who said, Oh, we'll never see him again. Um, he wasn't at the ride and oh, he saw my, geez. he saw a picture of me with the guys. And he's like, are you kidding me? He actually he came up. out. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that year I probably, I rode just about every ride with him because my wife luckily was um, doing some uh, schooling. So every Sunday she spent just studying her butt off and oh, wow. the best way for her to study is with no one bothering her. So I had to volunteer to leave the house. Well, and actually I think she wanted me to leave the house, but I just had the alternate of being able to ride the 300 all the time. So I rode, <clears throat> I want to say, I bet you, well, I put 180 hours on my 300 that year, plus uh, 10,000 or 10,000 miles on my GS. Wow. So I got That's to a do a life. lot of riding. That's a good life. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> so granted, it would have been nicer to put, you know, more miles on the GS, but you know, it is what it is. We've, we've had our years. Uh, my buddy, Chad, who was my first instructor to work with me on a regular basis, how we met was he went to that same dealer that I would, I had started out at. And he said, I ride this type of train and I want to ride with people that can ride this type of train. Tell me who's riding this type of train. And so the, the bit, the, uh, the general manager goes, well, you need to get a hold of Todd Zacker. And, you know, he'll go ride with you. And I was doing a pre-ride for a class I was doing. So I said to Chad, I said, yeah, you can come ride with me. I, I, I welcome people to come ride with me. And he's like, I don't really need training, but I, you know, I want to ride with somebody that rides at my level and everything else. And so that to me is kind of a challenge. So, you know, I stopped at the store, I get my candy bar and we start our ride and I'd say, Five miles into the ride, I stop, get off the bike, take my helmet off, take my jacket off, open up the candy bar, and I start eating my candy bar, and he pulls up. And he goes, and we had started at the same time together. And he goes, okay, you've proved your point. When are you going to – I will take your next class. <laughs> you Johnny Mac him. I love it. Awesome. So, so – but after that, you know, he he's a very good student. He's an extremely good instructor. I'm not a great instructor. He's an, a great instructor. Matter of fact, most of my instructors are much better instructors than I am. Um, just because I, I have a hard time uh, relating to people in the respect it comes to uh, teaching them later in life. Because, you know, majority of these people are learning later in life. Yeah, and our so parents it, didn't let us have dirt bikes. We're those yeah. guys. We have to learn later, <laughs> right? And but but what was luck or what was not or what I benefited from was I had a lot of people that learned that way that were analyticals and stuff like that that um, asked me all the right questions. So it made it made me become a better instructor. And uh, one of the things I had a uh, this one guy Bob. He used to have me do some private training for him and stuff. And he's just a super guy, super analytical. And one day he says to me, can I ride on the back of your motorcycle? Cause I want to see what your fingers are doing. Cause he goes, he goes, you know, he, he asked me, he goes, what is your clutch hand doing and your brake hand doing when you're going into this corner and this and that? And I, I'm like, it's just a feel. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. And he goes, can I ride on the back and watch? I'm like, well, sure. Mind you, Bob's a big dude. He's bigger than I am. And, <laughs> but what it did was, what it did was, it taught me to analyze myself 
and analyze what I'm doing at all the time. And so, you know, backing into that corner, you know, I had uh, one of my instructors, he wanted to teach the, you know, power sliding in a, you know, an advanced class that we did. And I'm like, okay, that's great. So I said, all right, you do some research on it. And then I'm, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll go through some of the technique to it. And about a week later, I give him a call. I said, all right, so, um, I have a question for you. When you're going into a corner, um, how much pressure do you put on the brake rear brake pedal? And, and how much throttle are you giving it when you release? And what is the timing between your clutch to your throttle and stuff? And, and he's like, it's a feel. I said, I know it is. But now you got to explain that to somebody. And you're the one that chose to learn how to do that or teach people how to do this. <laughs> and he goes, right. oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and he did a great job. He did a great job. But afterwards, he said, we are never teaching that again. <laughs> because it's just, it, you know, if you're not, if you haven't done it or you haven't got that feeling down to understand how much throttle, you know, cause he had to figure out, you know, I'm giving about quarter throttle when I go in, you know, and I'm releasing the, the, uh, the clutch when my, you know, when I'm at this point in my slide and I'm, you know, lifting off the brake and applying this much clutch and this much throttle and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and he said, it was just, it was really difficult, but he goes, it taught me something that everything I do, I'm going to have to analyze the heck out of it and be able to express that to people. Um, but you know, we do that. We say all that. And what did I say in the beginning of the conversation? You know, how do you teach feel, <laughs> you know, it's, and, it's tough. Yeah. And you can't drill your way to experience, as I said. So that's why Same time. Yep, exactly. I think, you know, training, you know, farkles and performance parts, all that stuff, all that stuff could wait until you get better on the bike. Yeah. I think said, many that's of a, us are guilty of that. But, <laughs> but that's also a point that every time we talk about, things that you can buy yeah. Cody always brings up training. Well, I say gas well, and you know, I want, I want training. Yeah. Don't, well, don't get me wrong. I want people to be trained, but I think gas, gas is expensive though. Right? <laughs> it is. But you think about it, that's the best, you know, it goes back to what did I just say? I just said, you know, we, you, you can't drill yourself to experience. You've got to ride. And you got to put yourself in those situations so that you can react, um, you know, and, and that goes for anything. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're riding off-road or on-road. I had a perfect example of an experience I had um, a couple of years, I guess it was about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, my wife and I were out riding. And uh, I, always, I always thought in my head, I never understood how all these people are crashing all the time. I'm like... I. I just don't get it. What do you mean you crashed? You know, well, this car ran me off the road. How can a car run you off the road? I don't understand this, right? So we're riding down. We're in Troutville, Virginia, riding down this four-lane road, two lanes in both directions. And the car in the, the left lane, I'm in the right lane, car in the left lane just comes over. And me, I just, I ease off the road. 
And, you know, I blow my horn, but I ease off the road, back off and get in behind them. Well, the part that I didn't clarify there is, or didn't, didn't uh, tell you guys about was there's a Creek on the right. There was only probably about two foot of grass before you drop into the Creek. There was no guardrail. Um, and a branch hit me in the face as I did it. And I just casually did it all. And then I get back on the road and my wife and I are talking. She's like, oh my God. And you know, her heart's doing a hundred miles an hour. And I'm like, what's the big deal? And she goes, that's why people crash. And I said, they freak out. Exactly. They freak out. And she goes, she goes, you don't freak out. You just stop talking. And because <laughs> you're focused. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's funny because whenever we're riding, I calm up with everybody. A lot of people don't like to be calmed up. I love being calmed up, calmed up. Um, and you probably wouldn't like calming up with me because I'm going to talk the whole time. If you haven't noticed just in this interview. No, I, I, I I'm the same way. I, I mean, when I met you, you had such a, uh, an effect on me. I mean, because like, you're like my brother, <laughs> you know, you're just so calm. And like, I think that's like, I was telling Cody, if my wife, if I could get her to the point where, yes, I want to ride, mm-hmm. I, I want to drag her down to your school because you've got that calm demeanor. Well, thanks. So like, it, it's just like, I'm usually that way, except when I'm teaching her stuff. Yeah. I had the same thing when I was teaching my wife to drive a car. Now I'll never but, teach her anything again. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, I have that same thing. Like, you know, like we've had a, a couple of things like we're up in Lake George, New York, and there's two lanes going up the hill. And, mm-hmm. you know, this guy cuts across both lanes and pulls out and he like stopped because he saw me at the last minute. But like I had already started slowing down and moving into the breakdown lane because I expected him to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the way I ride. I expect like I, I was going to ask you, like when you were getting close to that guy and before he pulled over, was that something that in the back of your mind you were like expecting that to happen? Yeah. And if my wife hadn't been with me, I probably would have reacted differently. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I would have. I'm. 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 A, I'm not usually the defensive driver. I'm a very aggressive driver in everything. It doesn't matter if I'm in a car, motorcycle, what it is. Usually, what I would do is I would, as I'm blowing the horn, I would accelerate past them. You know what I'm saying? I would accelerate it out of that situation. Throttle out. Back to throttle out. <laughs> yeah. Not with the wife but, with you though. Right. And so I just but. I kind of uh, just did it that way this time and, you know, it worked out. But after thinking about it, I was like, yeah, people, they, they don't calm down and react properly and they panic or whatever. And, and, and I, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've done that many a times. I just did it the other day and, and actually high sided on a, uh, on my 500. Um, and because I came into a corner too hot and, all I could see was guardrail and, and I was sliding on the uh, gravel on the pavement and I couldn't get it to recover. So I just said, heck with it. I'm going to slam on that back brake. I'm going to low side. And I did until I hit the, the grass 
and then it <laughs> threw oh, me back up oh. and over. And uh, so, um, but that was one of those where you know what if if I hadn't, um, I don't know what I could have done. Maybe throttled to to spin it more. Um, probably would have been a better thing than just locking up the rear and letting it wash. I just I think I went back to my road race days where I didn't want a high side, so I would either. Once I started going down, I'd either just throttle or I'd just keep everything locked and let it slide. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. My son, who I I get the pleasure to ride with a lot, um, or I used to ride with a lot, and he's in the military, so I don't get to ride with him near as much. But we just spent a couple weeks, or we spent a week and a half together riding um, in June, and uh, we ran a we raced a for or an eight hour hair scramble together. And then after the race, we jumped through North Carolina and Tennessee riding different parks on our dirt bikes. And it was great. And he always says, you know, even when we're in a big group, he says, once you start getting quiet, he says, it gives me that flashback of when I was a kid and I was already getting trouble. He goes, nothing (laughs) good's going to come of it. (laughs) He says, I hope so this drill sergeant's not quiet. <laughs> oh, no. so whenever he hears my uh my chatter slow down, then he goes, he in his head goes, there's something very difficult about ready to come up. And I'll never tell anybody something difficult. I might tell him a line or something, but that's it. I won't ever say, oh shit, this is difficult or whatever. You don't want to get in their head like that, right? No. And you know what? And the other thing is back to that, um, riding, uh, in that type of terrain. And, you know, you think about it, let's say you're in a big group, let's, or let's say you're in four or five guys, let's say, and you go up a hill or somebody goes up a hill and they, and they mess up. What's the first thing you think? Oh, Oh, should do it. Yep. Yep. And make it, I'm not going to make it. Or it goes the other way too. <laughs> right. I'm good. And, and you're worried about it. And then you mm-hmm. start to think, and, and of course you're right. You're 100%. You know what uh, uh, Henry Ford say, you know, if you say you can, you can, if you say you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, it's, it's the same thing. So never, I always tell everybody, I don't care how good the person is in front of you. If they stumble, that doesn't mean you're going to stumble, you know, it might have it may, shown you where not to go. Right. That was or, the wrong line. <laughs> or they could have just made a mistake. You Maybe they went in at the wrong gear. Or or maybe they gave it too much throttle and broke traction. Or, or pulled in too much clutch and lost too much momentum. Or whatever it is. You don't know. Um, so take it. You know, Every time you go to an obstacle, it doesn't matter how many people have failed at it. you got to think, I'm going to make it. And you do your ride. And if you do, 90% of the time, you're going to make it up that or over that obstacle or through that obstacle or whatever it is without incidents because you did it in you know your way. Right. Unless, it, unless it's throttling out or something like that, <laughs> going through a mud hole. <laughs> that's been the hard part for me is, as a rider growing is um, being okay with riding my ride because mm-hmm. usually – People I ride with are more experienced because I want to learn. So I go with more experienced people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they ride their ride and then I try to keep up with that. So sometimes, like you said, if I'll get out of my head and just ride my ride, usually I'll make it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whenever somebody's, whenever somebody struggles, one thing I tend to do in a group is, and a lot of people are going to call bullshit on this, but I, I want to put them out front. And the reason why is because they're not watching anybody else ride. And my son's a perfect example of it. He flies when he's out in front um, and does great. But when he follows me, I'm stopping and waiting. I'm stopping and waiting. I don't understand it. And it's just, you know, he's riding his ride. So he gets smoother. Um, And we, we actually had a really good conversation. And this pertains to a lot of riders is, um, People say, if you're not crashing, you're not working hard enough, or you're not pushing yourself to your limits or whatever. You know what? I like getting home every night or back to the campsite. You're adventure riding. So, you know, when you're adventure riding, you're riding eight hours. It's an endurance ride. Your your goal at the end every day is to get your bike and yourself in one piece running to the end of the ride. You know? So it doesn't matter what speed you do it, as long as that's what you keep in mind. And believe it or not, that's what I, that's the mindset I have when I'm racing. So when I'm like in a hair scramble, like we were doing the the eight hour hair scramble, you know, my son's like, you're just, he goes, you're smooth fast. He goes, you, you know, every picture looks like you're just kind of out for a Sunday drive. And he said, but you're fast. And I said, my goal every every lap is to make it to the end of that lap. Okay. And so I'm only going to push myself to a point where I start to get a little uncomfortable. And then I say, nope, I got to dial it back because I need to make it to the end. And now that comes with experience, would it? Right. But, you know, also you can build your experience doing that. And that's what I was trying to tell him because... He's like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I just can't get those speeds that you're running. And I go, that's the problem. What you need to do is you need to stop and say, you know what? I'm just going to make it through this lap. And I'll tell you what, you know, we were talking about it after the race. I didn't tell him during the race. I did tell him once I did said, just finish a lap, just finish the lap is, is all I want. You know, we're at the end of the race. Just all you need to do is finish. And, uh, uh, and he ran some of his fastest times. And that's because he was more worried about just finishing than his speed. And what you find is when you're doing that, you relax a little bit more. You're not as tense. You're not taking risks where you don't need to take risks. Um, and so you end up running more fluidly through the, through the course. And by doing that, the more you do that, the more familiar you are with the, with those steps or that, pace that your pace now increases and you do that let's say let's say you do a you know i'll, I'll use hair scrambles as, a, hair scrambles as an example great if you do let's say you race a series okay i don't care what level you are i don't care if you're a morning racer or an afternoon racer i don't care what i care about is run it every week and all you all your only goal is to finish your two or three laps or four laps, whatever, whatever, you know, time it is. I think morning guys usually get about three laps in your afternoon guys get four laps in, but all I want you to do 
is get your laps in. So, you know, if you're a two lap guy, get your two laps in. I don't care anything else. Just get them in. Make sure you finish. And at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? I didn't finish well, but I did this. And then what you're going to do is you're going to automatically see your time incrementally increase. And by the end of the season, you're like, wow. I mean, you'll be running guaranteed. It. I would say if you start out in, let's say, C-class, you'll be close to 10 minutes faster I think by the end of the, and you know, I've, I've had no training and I'm not getting paid to say this, but I can say what he's saying is correct because my buddies had me in her hair scrambles. I had no business doing, I was old and barely started riding dirt bikes and they were like 80 miles in sand, <laughs> but everyone kept telling me, just get your finisher pin up. That means you did your laps. You get a pin mm-hmm. for finishing the race. Doesn't matter what place you come in. Well, I was, they waited two hours at the finish line for me. I was the last guy, but I made it. Right. <laughs> but I kept with it and just going and just naturally over time and calming down. I don't know if it was 10 minutes, but my time got better and better. And it was funner and funner. It's the adrenaline that I had the something about when they, drop a flag and say you're in a race yep to some people it's great and to me it's like ah i'm like already tank slapping when they drop the flag right so i'm not riding my ride i'm i'm at the mercy of others right so so (laughs) it's funny you say that about dropping the flag so back to philosophy remember we were talking about the the book okay so you hear a lot of people talk about anxiety. Okay. Um, growing up, I played hockey. I played football. I played baseball. I raced motorcycles. You know, I, I did all that stuff. And everybody goes, weren't you, weren't you ever nervous? And I, so that feeling everybody feels, you know, like where they're throwing up and stuff like that. I had that feeling, but it wasn't Anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what fear was really. You know, I, I did, but I didn't. I just thought, you know, remember what, what they call it back then? Excitement. Butterflies. Or yeah, butterflies. butterflies. Yeah, Excitement. Yeah. Excitement. Stage fright. Right. Butterflies, Can, whatever. Yeah. Well, but it's not stage fright, you know, and, and I heard that and it used to eat me alive. My oldest daughter used to say, oh, I got stage fright. I'm like, no, you don't. That's adrenaline. Back to what you were saying, that's adrenaline and you got to learn how to use it. And so me, you know, let's say it was football or hockey or whatever. Um, th- those are easy ones to do because it, they're really easy to uh, pick out that exact point when the adrenaline goes away and everything just becomes a game and, and you're playing. And that's, I, for me, for football, it was that first hit. First hit, yep. And, and I'm going to drill somebody. I'm going to hit them as hard as I freaking can. Same thing with ice hockey. I'm, I am coming in <laughs> all out. And, and you know what? I may or may not lose, leave my feet. I don't know, but I'm hitting you hard. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I played hockey too. And for me, there were a lot of spikes because I was a goalie. Oh, wow. So that, that guy gets on a breakaway. You could feel it. And it's like oh, – yeah rush out and, and get to my spot so I could start backing in and whatnot. It's like, so you know what I would do to you 
if I had the breakaway and it was early in the game, I would ring the hardest slap shot off your mask or your forehead. Yes. I could get. In <laughs> in the reason they still why. teach the kids that right now. They still teach them that. <laughs> yeah, because because, because it gets in your head. It's a, yeah, it's a mental that game. That shit didn't bother me. <laughs> well, see, then you're a good goalie. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what happened to me was I would, I, it, it's a mind game. And, but once you get those things off now, boom, you're just playing. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like you said, it's that first turn. And you know, when that flag drops, everybody just wham. And you know, people eat shit in that first corner. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I'm the guy that tries I always try to be one of the first per- people to the first turn. Once we get in the woods, you know, when we're hair yeah. scrambles, once we get in the woods, you can pass me all day long, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm probably going to pass you a couple times or we're going to pass each other a couple times, but you know what? You're not going to get that far ahead of me on the first lap, but that first turn, everybody goes, well, the first turn doesn't mean anything. You're right. It doesn't. To me, it, it does. Means, it <laughs> means everything to, I mean, even in motocross, supercross, it, it's the well, first that, turn definitely. can can end your end your chance at winning any race. Right. You don't make the first turn. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I love the first turn. Matter of fact, uh, that's I if I could do the first turn and pull right into the pits and let somebody run the first lap, I would be much better off. <laughs> okay, I'll be the guy that goes after you, and you, you do the first turn. <laughs> but so, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, that's my, that's my thing, but it goes back to that. And my brother and I were talking about that and how kids these days, you know, they, they, they know these words, anxiety and stuff like that. And I don't, I think they're using that too much instead of using it as, you know, this is, this, this should pump you up. This should get you yeah. excited. When you feel that, when you feel that, that means something fun's about ready to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's the way I look at it. Right. When I get those, that nervous feeling or I start to feel sick, that means to me, I'm thinking to myself, I'm about ready to have a freaking blast. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> your body waking up for the challenge ahead. Right. So Now, would training though help well, in that instance? Because I mean, it's some of it's confidence, I guess. It is. It is. And, you know, when it comes to the training, it's all for me. It's great to know the fundamentals and everything else. But if you don't keep doing it and work it into muscle memory, it really is not. It, 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 it's it's almost useless. Um, you go out, you do the training, it gets in your head. And yes, it may it may help you here and there. But if you want it to help help you day in and day out, you know, riding, you know, every time you ride, then you got to build that muscle memory. So, you know what, you got to do the training, but you got to put it into, uh, uh, into a situation. Yeah. Into practice, into the situation. Um, so in other words, you can sit there and, and do those, you know, cones and everything else all day long. But if you don't go out on the trail and put, you know, put that, you know, that, that body positioning into action, raising that elbow up and, you know, making sure your outside elbows up all the time. I mean, we laugh at that or I laugh at that because I'll be in the middle of a turn. Like I was doing sandblast this year, you know, I spent five years since I raced it and I'm racing it this year and I'm going and I'm in a turn and I start to lose my line in the turn 
And I and I'm you idiot, get that elbow up. You know, and just something that simple, and all of a sudden the bike just comes right back into the line. You know, so yeah. there's a lot of different things like that. But you know, that's when it's okay to be thinking about it. But majority of the time you should it should just be right there in your in your muscle memory. You know, the two things I would say um the biggest I would say the biggest savior that you can do when you're riding and beat into your head is something one of my instructors used. Um, cause we talk about this, we, we, we talk about turns all the time and that's, that's the one thing everybody crashes in or hurts themselves in or whatever is usually turns, um, is okay. When you go into a turn, you know, remember, look through the turn, move, you know, get your weight on the outside. You know, if you're on dirt, get your weight on the outside peg, push your knee into the tank, push the tank down, get your elbow up, you know, all these things, right? There's what, six or seven, eight different things you have to do. You know what I say? And Ch- Chad, Chad's the one who came up with this. He goes, what's the one thing you're taught in hockey, any sport that has a ball, hockey, uh, sock in, 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 uh, uh, uh golf, everything else. When you throw a ball, where's your belt buckle supposed to go? It's supposed to point where your ball, you want the ball to go. When you shoot a puck, your belt, your, your, your belt buckle should be facing where that puck's supposed to go, you know, and all that stuff, you know, ball that golfing, boom, follow through your, your belt buckle. He says, think of your belly button as a laser pointer. And when you go through a turn, and you're standing up on your bike, as you're sitting there, turn your hips. Okay? What happens? You point that belly button where you want it to go, that laser pointer, where you want it to go. Your weight goes to the outside of the bike because you can't do that on your bike without doing that. So you weight your outside peg. Your knee automatically goes into the tank because you're moving your hips. And it pushes the bikes down. And by doing that, you have to throw your elbow up. If you leave it down, it hits the, your side. Your side automatically pushes it up. So the belly button, if you can just do that, that's that's going to save you so many times. There's uh, your gold, listeners, right there. <laughs> belly button is a laser. One thing to think about instead of six. And sex, too. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, just sex. never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, well, there's that too. Yeah. That. Well, yeah. Sorry. Your belly button, same thing. You got to. Well, I was just thinking through it's, all these it's things. It's a laser pointer. This can <laughs> apply to you, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but anyway, don't focus on the obstacle that you don't want to hit. That, that I've learned the hard way. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. I do that. I mean, the, everybody. I don't care who you are. You know, if I thought I was beyond that one day, when one day. Um, I was riding with, well, I was riding with Chad, Ch- Chad and I, so, all right, before I get into that story, Chad and I one year spent over 110 nights camping off of our bikes. <laughs> it's co- Cody that did that COVID year. <laughs> I, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> so successful, not, success, not, not with that? Night, but through the year, a hundred. Right. Yeah. And that's, real. that's awesome. So, but so one of those, one of those years, um, we were, this was actually, uh, towards the end of our year. It was, I remember it was November 
and we're doing this ride. We're, we're laying out a ride to take people on. This is going to be our first trips that we're doing. And we're laying out and we are maybe a mile into the beginning of this ride. We camped the night before. I did a video where I changed a tire at camp, all this stuff, right? And we're going to go for a ride. <laughs> so we're all loaded up and we're, we head out and we take this, this two track and it's actually a Jeep trail. And I'm like, damn, don't hit that rock. And I'm staring at it and I hit the rock and off the side of the mountain I go. I don't mean like off the side of the hill. I mean the mountain. Okay. And it knocked like a pinier off. That's how hard I hit off the side. And I get it out and Chad, uh, if you see any pictures of Chad and I together, Chad's six foot seven and he's 280 pounds and he's a big dude. And he has this, he always wears this belt. He calls it the last chance belt. And he wraps it around the, 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 uh, engine guard and almost lifts the bike up completely and pulls it up onto the trail. Oh, we get it up on the trail. Man. And I said to him, all right, well, we're just going to turn around. We'll, we'll, we'll ride around and we'll get to the end of this trail and we'll start, then we'll start it because we're not going to take people down this. And he looks at me and goes, well, we still need to map it to see what it's like, you know, for, for no matter what. And I'm like, okay. So we go ahead and we map it and we're about day three in and we hit this one section. And this next section is mud hole after mud hole. And I mean, when I say mud holes, they're mud holes that you don't want to go through. And in the woods, it's kind of sloppy. So they're hard to get through. And I, I go out around this one and I'm stuck over here. I'm probably a hundred, 150 feet off the trail stuck. And he's sitting there. He's like, man, the hell with this. We're not going through this. And, and we're not going to take somebody through this anyway. And I looked at him and I go, <laughs> we still need to map it. We still need to map it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes, I hate you. <laughs> but i'll tell you what when we got to the bottom of that or after we got through that we pulled out and there's a there's a uh i can't remember if it's a mobile or an exxon station and this is actually right by where i first was riding right at the bottom of mountain lake resort and there's an old appalachian trail that you can ride down anyway we get down to the bottom of that and it's right on 460 there um and we pull in and we're thinking all right we're going to get, you know, a snack or something like that. We're going to shake this off because we smell like hog crap, right? And <laughs> we walk in and they're pulling fresh pepperoni rolls out of the out of the uh, uh, oven. And I don't, you know, if you haven't rode in the uh, West Virginia, Virginia, the Appalachia area, pepperoni rolls are basically a big yeast roll that's stuffed with pepperonis and cheese. And then they, and they bake them and they're probably like this big Sounds and oh, they're, they're, they're like a heavenly burrito. And, uh, so anyway, so they're pulling those out and then on the sign it says, uh, hand battered chicken tenders. And we're thinking, yeah, right. Bullshit. Oh no. 
they literally pull them. They, they have the chicken sitting there and the batter sitting there and you see them dip them in it and throw it in the thing. And so it was well worth all the mud holes we went through just to find that place. <laughs> and the rock. <laughs> and the rock. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, you always want to quit right before you get to the top of you. <laughs> so, so I tell a, all my buddies. Yeah, that's like a perfect segue into you. You'd, Zacher Adventures isn't just training. You guys actually do rides and right. So we do do we do do a lot of training. We do mostly with uh, dealers. You know where they they say okay, um, they they fill the slots for us is what they do. I tell them how much. I tell them where we're going to do it. They fill the slots. Their 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 clients come out and ride with us. Um, but on top of that, um, we I've been lucky enough that I've had private groups hire me to do some training, and then they've hired, and then some of the private groups have switched to hiring me to take them on trips. Um, and so we get to do you know fun stuff uh, like right now as we speak, I'm sitting out here in uh, Whitefish, Montana. Um, waiting. I unloaded bikes this morning or this afternoon. Um, and I'm waiting for all the riders to come in. I have, uh, eight riders and we're going to do the continental divide over the course of the next 12 to, uh, 14 days. Um, and I'll ride, uh, some of it two up, you know, with my wife, she's going to ride probably the first, uh, I'd say <laughs> five days or so. Um, in, in, uh, you know, my wife will ride two up all the time. She, she didn't like the 1090 that much because it's a hoodlum machine and I would do stupid <laughs> stuff on it with her on the back. Um, but yeah. the GS, she says I'm much calmer on the GS. Um, so I don't do as many stupid things with her on the back. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the only two up or off road right now. Oh, I mean, I, more I experience. However, my wife's like, maybe having you on the back of my bike. I see a hill and I'm intimidated. And then I hear, I won't use the word, but don't be a yep. Cody. Yep. Let's do <laughs> this. Grow some. <laughs> yeah. Grow some right now. But that is awesome that you're joining with the wife too. And Oh yeah. Well, I remember um, we went to March Moto Madness one year and we were sitting there and we go to uh, uh there there's like a hill climb that goes out of the backside of it and it had rained and it was pretty sloppy. And, uh, I go, I go, Hey, do you want to go up this hill? And she goes, sure. And she gets on the back. This is before she realized what she was getting into. And I'm going up and we get to the first turn and my son's on his 650 GS and he's struggling. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to tell him what to do. And as you know, Cody, as you just expressed, you know, we're not that great at teaching our family members or I think it was Chappie that said that we're, we're not patient teaching them. So, you know, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm giving them a push, you know, and I'm kind of saying some things to them and, and my Chappie wife's kind of giving me the jab to shut up. And anyway, so I start going and as we're riding up, there's all these like two fifties and, in uh, DRZs and stuff like that. And they're, on the side of the trail. I'm on the GS with my wife on the back and we're riding up this in what I meant to say and what came out were two totally different things. Cause I go up to this WR 250 and he's light over and he's trying to get back going again. And what I said to him was, I said, 
<laughs> I said, turn around. You're not going to make it. And, <laughs> and my wife's like, you are the biggest a-hole I've ever met. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't mean that. I meant turn around, go back to the bottom and start over again. So, right. Um, I got what you were saying. That's how that went. But, I got uh, what you anyway. were saying. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I was I forgot to plug in, and I'm looking to see behind me if there's a place to plug in. Um. Anyway, yeah, um, it's it's impossible to start halfway it. up the hill and, and right and make it unless it's uh. <laughs> well, especially in that kind of terrain, and it gets gooey like that, and everything else. It just it's just not a good idea. So yeah, no momentum. You're not making it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So sorry. You know, rolling back six inches can get you over a lot of logs and rocks. Oh yeah. 100%. (laughs) But staying right on them will get you over about (laughs) none of them. (laughs) Cody does, uh, really technical stuff with his, his buddy, Johnny Mack. Okay. Yeah. He, before COVID he was training for Romaniacs. Oh wow. And, and I'm just an idiot on a dirt bike. He is really patient and a good teacher, but so I, I want to go along. I don't want to be left out, you know, so I just go try and learn with him. But yeah, right. Many times my bike has gone from under me to over me and behind me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what bike are you riding when you're doing that? Uh, when I do that, I'm on the two stroke 300 KTM. Uh-huh. TPI or? Uh, no, carbureted. I got the last carbureted one. 18. 18, yep. All right, nice. I got the uh, electron carb in there, which was a game changer. Six days. Six days. It doesn't doesn't run on Sunday. It only runs six days. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that that bike's taking more of a beating than me (laughs) in life. Fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Chappie, do you ride a, a, a little bike as well or just a big bike? I have an 88 KX250 that before COVID we were running uh, at a local motocross track. Mm-hmm. Like the, and I'm, uh, I am do not race to the first corner. I let everybody <laughs> else go and then I go after them. Because I'm just, I'm more there for, to ride the track and to enjoy right. myself for the day. At 50 years old, I'm not in the need to win anything. <laughs> but. Vintage racing, so I I run the 80s class. And then I have a 250L that uh, I explore with. Okay, okay. Now, what other bike do you ride, Cody? Or just the 300? So I started with the 300. uh, Then I went on my first adventure, borrowed a 701 Mm -hmm. ski, and had to have that bike, so it's mine now. (laughs) And then... I really, 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 really wanted the 890 or 790 at the time, but 890 KTM. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the wife wanted the GS800. So okay, that's really the wife's bike. I take her out on that mostly. And so she, she won <laughs> that. She didn't like the seat on the KTM. I tried to say, we can change the seat. Right. She, you know, she didn't. Yeah. Nah. Didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I have an 850 GS as well. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Now, I, I, uh, so I have the 300. I have a 500. Um, I have a, uh, 1250 GS. Um, the 1250 GS is my wife's and I's touring bike. Um, and, and I ride it for that. They are just about everywhere. 
Um, matter of fact, when I pre-run, you know, we talk about events. I also do mock rally, which is super, super fun where it's, uh, navigational. Um, Oh yeah. I saw that on your website. I saw the charts and I was like, yeah. Yeah, this guy's this guy's the real deal because I would be lost all the time. Well, I'm lost anyway. That's <laughs> well, impressive. Those, they're a lot of fun to do, and I've introduced a lot of people to it. But what I was saying was, I'll ride um, all my routes on my GS, even the dual sport. So I do two different routes, and people go, "Well, if you rode it on the GS, then I can ride it." I go, "No, we're you know." And there's one section that I want to say. There were only a handful of people in the last uh, not race competition. You know, it's AMA, so it's competition. Um, but the last one I did, we had a handful of guys on GSs or bigger bikes um, doing the event on the dual sport route. And then you have the adventure route. And really, the adventure route's a great route. It's it, I, I always take people on just amazing scenic rides that are... Um, for service roads and stuff like that with a little bit of Jeep trail thrown in um, and Perfect. more Jeep trail thrown in for the uh, dual sport riders. And uh, we had a handful of guys I was saying that did the dual sport ride on GSs. One was Ben Fop, um, who's uh, a GS trophy qualifier. Um, and then Charles locked another GS trophy qualifier and, uh, and two other, I think two other guys. And yeah, it's, it's no joke on those with that bike, but it was funny. Cause I said, I told my wife, I said, we're going to, we got to pre-run this. So she comes out and spends the weekend, you know, riding this stuff with me. And, uh, but I didn't do the, I did not do the dual sport route with her on the back. With her on the back. Um, no, cause I ran, uh, I guess it was yeah, about 2019. Um, I was doing, I did a ride with her on my 1090 and after it, she said, my back hurts. And it was because I was an idiot. I was riding way too rough of roads, terrain, basically the roads we were riding. Like a KTM. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And I was riding the same roads that I did. That's the dual sport route for this next event. And it is serious. I mean, serious. When when people find out that my wife has rode that with me, when they come back, they're going to be like, I can't believe you're still married. <laughs> because it was, and that's when she said, okay, you need to get a bike. If you want me to ride with you, you got to get a bike that's more friendly to me. And so that's what I did. I went ahead and I went and got the, uh, the 1250 GS. And I just don't do as many stupid things with her on the back. So that there's, bike. there's two people telling you that BMW uh, adventure bikes are chick friendly. Your passenger, okay? <laughs> yep. Hey, that's my wife it. loves it. She, we did all the way from Spokane, Washington, went up into Canada, came yep. back down through Idaho, tried some of the BDR, uh-huh. and it was snowed out. But uh, she was with me 13 days on that bike, and not once did she say her her yeah. rear or her back hurt or anything she loves it so i'd say the hardest hardest thing we've done we did the washington bdr in parts um a couple years ago on that gs two up 
And, and that was probably the hardest thing I've done with her on the back with the 1250. The 1090, we did Schofield Pass. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah. Shoot, you know, Schofield Pass from uh, Crested Butte to uh, Marble, Colorado. You did that it's, to up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was another time she said, she said, uh, <laughs> okay, you're, you're pushing the limits a little too much. Um, you can go, have you seen the video of the guy on the, the 300 TPI falling off that down into no. the devil's uh, punch bowl? No. Oof. Yeah. Well, I might have actually. I actually might if have. There's, if there's a video of a guy on a, uh, a 300 riding up and then losing it, going off to the left and going, and you can just see him falling. And like his helmet is hitting the rocks and like the, the, uh, <laughs> But the the camera's going the whole time, and he just splashes down. Now, how did he do that? Because every time I crash, my camera stops. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It just stops. Yeah, that's so, a terrible but, fall. Yeah, but we did that two two or three days after that guy fell, and we didn't know it. Um, we were sitting there. We roll into Crystal because that's why we went. Was because my wife, her name's Crystal. And so every time we go to a state, we got to go to Crystal. And, <laughs> and so we're like, all right, we're going to go to Crystal. Well, we take this path out. Well, I mean, it's a path out to goat, Crystal. Goat trail. And we, you know, we get there. And when we showed up, these people start pouring out. And they're like, how'd you guys get here? You guys rode two up on that bike? And I'm like, yeah, why? And they're like, are you crazy? And then they start talking about this accent. And oh, my wife's no. like. Yeah. <laughs> and so then my wife goes, and she didn't point this out when we were riding in. And she, and the reason why is because she later, she goes, I didn't want you to look because you would have looked at what I was looking at. There were cars or trucks that had tumbled down the mountain and burned up and they were just sitting there still. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you can't get in there to, to get them out. Yeah. It's, it's a, look it up. It's the deadliest pass in Colorado. Yeah. Schofield Pass. And there's, is that, I can't remember. Does that go down into Telluride? No, that's, that's um, Black Bear. Bear. Path, Black Bear. That's, yep. I've in, seen in, stuff roll down that, but. Right. So that was actually our next day was Black oh Bear. Gosh. And <laughs> I'm getting ready to do it. <laughs> and somebody messages my wife and goes, well, you can't do that. That's too dangerous. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You mean we're not going to do this pass because someone told you that one's too too dangerous. And later come to find out Schofield Pass is way more dangerous than that is. That's like, that's like riding down the highway compared to Schofield yeah. Pass. <laughs> but that's crazy. There's, there's, uh, I'm Black Bear. There's a couple, uh, uh, like, uh, what are they called? Switchbacks Switch that are backs, really, yeah. really tough to maneuver and that's why people freak out about it but it's only a couple of them other than that yeah, it's, it's I, not I a hard still want to do it but not probably on my big bike i'll probably take the 701 myself <laughs> <laughs> just because from what i've seen most people just come down it yeah well you can't you then can you can see it. everything i i can go up okay you i'll can't. go up and it's one way that's a bummer yeah if i can see the fall as i'm going down that's <laughs> It's not good for me. I'd well, rather be traveling up and not knowing how far I've got to fall. <laughs> then I can just ride. 
but so so you <laughs> have to beautiful. So once you get to the top of the pass, you can only go one way. So coming out of your ray, it's two mm. ways. But to go down into Telluride, it's only one way. There's no two-way traffic. So you have to go down it. And that's where Angel yeah. Falls is and stuff like that. So yeah, oh yeah, Angel Falls is beautiful. Yeah. So and I think it, Angel Falls it turns dollar. into two way again as well. Taking it, did you take her on the million dollar highway while you were out there? Oh yeah. Well we did we did um just about everything when we were out there and we had a blast. We we go on trips. When we go on trips, we try to spend about a month in a state. Oh wow, nice. And so we go and just ride and or just hang out and find every good place to eat as you you know, if you've seen me, I'm I don't miss meals. <laughs> You look at my wife, you go, you must eat her meal too. And I usually do. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I like that approach though. Spend, you know, a month. You're not in a hurry to check off things and you miss everything, you know? Right. And so, yeah, we spent five in, uh, five weeks in Washington a a couple years ago. Uh, We still haven't checked off. We haven't checked off Montana, even though we spent uh, a week or so here, but, um, we're going to, she's going to be here in a day or two. So we're going to do some more stuff. We've done glacier and all that stuff. Um, but I think this ride can check off that. Um, and then, uh, Wyoming will probably get checked off because we did, uh, we did Yellowstone a couple of years ago. You know, we spent a couple of weeks there and stayed in Idaho there and just went, uh, nice. right there. Island park, we camped right there and then rode into Yellowstone, did Jackson, and then last year we snowmobiled Yellowstone and, Ooh. and, you know, you can do the two different types. You can do it where it's guided or non-guided. We did the non-guided. We put in for our bid for that. And we didn't win. A friend of ours did. And luckily enough, we were sitting at another friend of ours house when they called to tell them that they won. And our friends that we were at their house, they go, by the way, is there enough room for Todd Zacher and Crystal? <laughs> She's like, sure. awesome. <laughs> so so we got to go just because they won, which was cool. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, and then after this ride, that will the only thing we haven't done is uh is it Bear Tooth Highway? I think that's it. That's the only thing we haven't done. And that was the one thing she said she wasn't going to check it off until we did it. But I think we might check it off and then just plan on coming back and doing bear tooth one of these days. I, I asked her if she could, my wife actually works more than I do. So she wasn't able to come out with me. And that's what we were planning. That's what I was trying to do is tell her, Hey, let's leave a week early. We'll go ride bear tooth pass on our way here. And she's like, yeah, that's real easy for you to say, but I got patience to see. (laughs) Right. (laughs) God bless the the working wife. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's a saint obviously to put up with me and let me do the things I do. It's, it's great that she does, but I can't wait for her to stop doing that so that we can do a lot more together. Cause I just, I love doing all these trips. You know, we talk about, you know, going in with the guys and everything else. And it's all fun and dandy, but sometimes I want to do it before with her. So I experience it the first time with her. And then the next time, you know, I can experience it with whoever. I don't care. I started doing all these adventures solo, mm -hmm. um, mainly because my buddies all were working and, you know, being responsible. Right. But then, you know, the wife 
I'd be talking and the wife be like, oh, I haven't been there, you know. And so we, we got the GS and it is, it's really cool to be able to share the adventure with your, yep. with your partner. Yeah. And, and my wife, hopefully this doesn't stand true on this trip because the bears are different here than the bears <laughs> we're used to. But um, oh. she's the, I call her the bear whisperer um, because we always see bear when we're riding. And matter of fact, the very last ride we did together, um, we left a, a, a gas station slash uh, grocery store in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And uh, as we pulled out, we got not even a mile down the road and there's a mama bear crossing with a cub behind it. And the cub runs, runs back into the woods. The mama bear runs across and then we stop right afterwards, you know, so we can see if they join back up and three cubs come across the road. So that was cool. cool. But how it all started was one day when uh, we were riding on this, or we were going to go for a ride, you know, an evening ride. And she says, are we going to see bear? And I said, we're not going to see bear. We're going to be in too populated an area that, you know, they're going to hear us come and they're not going to, you know, want to be anywhere near us. So anyway, we go up and it was called broad run. You go across about, I think it's six water crossings. And one of the rock water crossings was so high that I had, I actually went back and hung a, a, a camera in the tree so you could video it. Cause the, the water was with me standing on my pegs, the water was over my boots and my wife standing on the back with me in the waters up on her boots. And so I was like, well, we got to video this. So I go back and I, so I go through this water crossing five times because we went across it and I'm like, well, I got to video this. And the best place to put the video is on the other side. So then I had to go back across to hang the video, video me going back across it and then go back to get the camera and then come back across it. (laughs) So fun filming. Lots of practice. (laughs) Right. Right. So anyway, so we do this and we're riding along and it's, you know, it's a two track and I'm in the left two track and the Creek's down here to my left and a bear comes out of the Creek hits my engine guard bumps me over into the right lane, you know, the right line and runs next to us for, it seemed like forever, you know, like a mile or two, but actually it was, you know, probably a couple feet. (laughs) It was, it may may have been probably 30 or 40 uh, yards, you know, ran next to us and then dove back down into the thing. And she goes, Oh, we're not going to see any bear. It's too populated out here, isn't it? (laughs) So that's crazy. In the very next ride, um, we were riding up to uh, ADV Moto uh, had a rally in West Virginia, and we were riding up to it. And on our way, she saw four bear, and she'd point them out. And when we got to like the third or fourth bear, she goes, "This is ridiculous." And I said, "What?" She goes, "I think that's a bear." (laughs) And I look, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, there's another bear. And she goes, there's no way I'd see four bears. And it was, you know, middle of the day in August. Wow. It was just, yeah. So I call her the bear whisperer and I'm like, she don't need to be whispering any bears out of these woods up here. No, (laughs) they're the laundry. I'm I'm not leading. You know, I usually lead rides. I I was talking to my buddy, Marty, sitting at his house here this morning or this afternoon. He goes, he says, yeah, you're probably not going to want to lead any rides here because, you know, the first person, you know, they run, you run into a grizzly. 
<laughs> you guys, they can be lunch. You, you, it might give you enough time to turn around and get out of there. <laughs> have you have you seen the video of the the friends riding, and the bear mm-hmm. comes up over the over the rise like to attack them, and they just like rev the, the shit out of their bikes, and the bear turned around. Really, I did not hear that. Um, it's a, a video I seen on Instagram or TikTok. Or I'm not going to try that one. <laughs> well, you know it's funny because we were we were just talking about that, and um, I guess from what I what I was explained was grizzlies will run. A lot of times they just run past you unless you've done something, and and it's more just a scare tactic. But I don't want to get into that situation. That's good. Just don't get in between them and their cub. <laughs> I don't want to get between. I don't want to be close enough to even think about it or have to worry about it. You know, you know, it, you, you got the bear whisper. You're, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm on the trip. I've never seen a bear except in the zoo. I'm on the trip and everybody on the trail with me sees the bear right. all the way up to Washington and Canada and back. People saw bears. I missed the damn bear. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, in Was- in Washington on the Olympic Peninsula, we were running down a dirt road, and there was a nice about 300-pound black bear, 400-pound black bear running around out there. We saw him run down the road for a little ways and then cut into the woods. That's that was one. Wildlife is fun to see, except, oh, for, yeah. except for cougars. <laughs> He's talking about the furry kind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Talking oh, about the one, <laughs> one that that I sat pointing my pistol into the river for an hour after I saw it. Oh yeah, only to wake up and realize that the paw prints were behind my tent, behind me. He was just like <laughs> the one behind me after I saw him. I was, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That that um. So so what's nice about cats, big cats, is they understand being injured and they don't do stuff that will cause them to be injured. So they, they very low risk attacks for them. That's good. So if you make it low risk, (laughs) made it low risk, make it high risk and they won't, they won't bother yet. (laughs) I also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I did study after and apparently they don't like, like Metallica music or something. They don't like that human, uh, metal, uh, music so well i'm gonna have to put some on my if i think there's a cougar if i think there's a cougar i just queue up some metallica or something whatever so the furry cougars (laughs) don't like metallica but you know i hear that the other the the non-furry ones love poison and warrant and stuff like that they they do yes yeah 80s hair bands (laughs) that's when i grew up totally (laughs) So you got to watch out if you play that stuff. <laughs> right. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So other than uh, some training with the dealerships and adventure rides, you guys offer any other like, well, services doing, for the, we're doing the trips. You know, we're, do, I, you know, I, I've got a, a large trailer that I haul, I can haul bikes in. So that's kind of part of the trips is, you know, we just come grab your bikes, load them in, and all you have to do is fly in, fly out. Oh, so, that's awesome. 
you know, so the, the fun ones like Baja, that's a blast to do. Um, that's a small bike trip. I don't like doing that one. I, you can ride anything, you know, you can ride that type of train on a big bike anywhere, but there's some fun single track washes, stuff like that, that you can do in Baja that, that is more fun on, uh, you know, a 500, 350, 350 is like my favorite bike by now or right now. Um, dual sport. Yep. It, for a dual sport for anything. I think it's just a great bike. Um, and then, uh, uh, but that St. George Moab, um, I love, you know, Moab's a fun place to go and say, you did it. Check the box. Yeah. It's some great riding, everything else. But to me, here, unless you live there. It. Yeah. <laughs> and, but to me, St. George's is George's a, a awesome. better mix of train. Um, That's what you we can do. Anything. Uh, a lot of the hair scrambles will be in that area too. Yeah. St. George. Oh yeah. It's good riding. Well, I go up there. Um, I, I love riding up there cause you can ride anything. You can ride technical single track. You can ride flowy single track. You can ride double track. You can ride four service roads all the way to the grand Canyon if you want and back. And there's just so much riding there that, that to me is the hidden gem. And also you can rent a Airbnb at, in uh, Moab, or I mean, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, St. George for about a half or a quarter of the price you can in Moab. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. It's, it's just amazing to me. And you can ride right out of it. Granted, you can ride right out of your places in, in Moab. Um, and, and it's great riding. I think, I think if you go to Moab, you either ride your 300 or you ride your GS. The 500, it's just like, it's not, it's either too technical for the 500 or it's just not comfortable to ride the 500 that long. Um, but other than that, I think, I think those two bikes are the best bikes at Moab because you can go out and do, you know, like white rim trail and all that stuff. You do that on the, the, the GS or the big bike. Have you done, have you done Lockhart Basin? Have you been through there? I don't think so. If you haven't, you should try. Don't do it two up on your 1200. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> to you, it probably wouldn't be that of big BDR, of a challenge. Right? Yeah, it's part of the BDR. It's, it's, okay. They say it's the hardest section in all the BDRs, so I had to try it solo. Well, I'm going to have to go check it out because a buddy of mine, one. is that real sandy? Is that what it is? Um, it's got sand sections towards the end, yes, uh-huh. when you're tired, of course, but uh, there's... There's, it's about 70 miles and right about in the middle, there's some pretty technical rock climb. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they build them up with other rocks. I hate it when they do that because then it's not a challenge, but I mean, you're in the right. middle of nowhere and it's pretty challenging on a, on a big 1200 bike. Right. It'd be fun for you on your 300 you'd oh. cruise right through it and not even notice it probably, but um, I'll tell you. Um, you know, what's actually, but it's not far from the white rim trail and stuff. It's, it's really, fun. I, I, I guess I got to do that. Um, we did. So, so what was funny is we figured we'd break, break, uh, do our break in ride, um, was cane, cane Creek. Oh man, that is so beautiful. And so we're doing it. And there's that one point where you get to where there's like that, those Hills, like if you're heading, I think it's south on it. 
and there's, you know, all the way up until this one point where there's those hills on the right-hand side where you can play. Mm-hmm. After that, it gets serious. And up to that point, it's, I think it's 14 miles to that point. And I looked at uh, the guy I was riding with that I went out there with, and I go, I should have brought my GS. This is a perfect GS road. And this was last fall when I did it. So it was right after the floods. And after that, it's a shit show. Yeah, it's a shit show. And, and, and it's rated as a number, as a one. And I'm on my 500. And the very first thing we start hitting are those washed out creek crossings where you have about a six to eight foot section that's just straight up. And none of the very few side by sides had been through by the time we've been through, like maybe one that had drugged themselves off that, you know, dropped down off of it. So it was just, so yeah. And, and so there was many times where it was like, I would ride up something and I'd get off my bike, walk down, grab the the guy I'm with his bike and ride up it. And then we got to that one section where all the rocks are, where it climbs up the side of that mountain and either you can go down the single track to the left or you can climb up the, whatever it is to the right. And I'll tell you what, it was right after that rain. And I don't think I, I can't believe many side-by-sides have been down or up it because I had to go up turn and almost in actually over probably about a hundred degrees. So I'd have to go up, not 90 degrees, but hundred degrees. So I'd have to come back down the hill, find a line and come back around and then pick another line. And I started going up this and I, I get to this one point and I hear the guy that's riding me go, um, you know, how's it looking? And about that time I turned the corner and I looked up, I go, come to where I'm at right now and just park and start walking. Because it was, it was, I couldn't believe how difficult that was right through there. Just that rock section in, you know, I just had to pick my line and go up through it on the 500. And then I turned around and I got on his 350 and I rode that up and I was like, and this is a one. And there was no Uh other trail. I mean, every other trail we did was nothing like that. It was, it was easy. I mean, I, I would say even that what's the what's the hell's hell's gate actually hell's gate hell to, to get up hell's gate is easier than going down to it you know when you go over that like mound and you drop down that's scary as crap because all that sand on that there's no breaking i'm no like breaking. i'm i'm breaking it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm breaking and my front starting to slide as i'm coming down over this thing and i'm like Oh my gosh. And there's just a point where you just like, let them go yeah. and just, and you shoot down. And that's when I start praying. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can do at that point. Please. No, but Utah, you're right. Like Utah can, you can have flowy trails and they can turn technical on a heartbeat and depending on the weather. Oh, it's yeah. like, I just got back from meeting my buddy from Arizona down by Bryce Canyon and oh, uh, yeah. man, the road was literally almost washed out in front of us. We ended up getting a hotel. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, if it's raining that hard, it's worth it. But that changes the the trail system totally when mm-hmm. the rain comes like that. It like one day it can be totally flowy, and the next day it could be just all the rocks have washed up, and you're uh, <laughs> you're you're in for some adventure. Yeah. 
but yeah, so we, we do do some trips, you know, it's BDRs we're doing the CD, you know, the continental divide. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll add a couple next year. So I, I say that we're sold out or whatever for next year, but that's just the known things. So if how a, would, if a group how would they get a hold of you if, if they wanted to try and get in, in the future? Yeah. Um, the best way to do it is, uh, ZacherAdventures.com, you know, and that's, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I will put a link in the description to that. Right. Okay. Thanks. So if anybody's interested in contacting Todd and the team for training or trips, because I see you have like a private, like so yes. I can hire you to do those trips. That's, and that's really what we tend to do is, you know, private training, private, uh, trips, because it's so hard to get the, the, uh, uh, personalities of everybody to mix in a trip. And it's so much easier to just say, Hey, all right, plan on getting six guys. If you can get eight guys, that's even better. You know, but six, six, eight, that's kind of the sweet spot. Um, yeah, doing Baja's fun. Those are small bikes. We do the small bikes there. So that's, that tends to be, you know, we can go with 10 guys, um, pretty easily and manage that. We, you know, we do chase vehicle or support vehicles. Um, we, and another thing that's nice is when you're doing it with a private group, everything goes from the same place. So like, let's say I have a group out of New Hampshire that I, I love working with. They, they do stuff with, and I'll go, you know, next year they're doing the continental divide. I go up, grab them, all their bikes at, you know, up in New Hampshire. And then I trailer them out here, unload them. They fly in. We do the ride get down to El Paso. Everybody flies out of El Paso. Bikes are loaded. They fly home. I drive home. Um, and, and I drive back to New Hampshire, drop their bikes off and go home to Virginia, you know, and this group that's here a, that we're doing was, awesome deal. was super nice. Um, they're all pretty local. So they all came right to my house in Virginia and dropped their bikes off. And I loaded them up, left a couple of days early, caught a Cubs game, you know, a couple of fun things like that. Nice. They're all flying in this week. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we get done, you know, I'll trailer them all back. I'll actually probably go to the farm with them. Cause that way everybody will go up to the farm where I do training. Um, because that's a, not my place. It's actually, um, some friend of mine's that, uh, have an old equestrian farm that they've turned into a moto facility so they have trails and all that fun stuff Penn merrill farms awesome and uh they do they do a great job just amazing people blair and laura run the place um you know there's some places where you know you uh, i may go back there um but because of the people there i mean all you have to do is spend you know one breakfast in there with them and you're like i'm gonna come back because they're just genuinely great people um so yeah, I, I'll drop off all the bikes there. All the guys will come in. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a ride out of there or whatever. But I like kind of picking a group or letting a group pick their own members because they know they're the people they're going to bed with, <laughs> and and, yeah. yep. and they know oh, they know smart. the personalities. Because um, if you just throw in a bunch of mixed personalities, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but a, a shit show. No, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I've, I've been really lucky. We did Baja um, and half the groups didn't know each other. And it ended up being just an amazing 
ride. Amazing group. It was a lot of fun, but, um, you know, I think we're going to do the one kind of mixed one we're doing right now is, uh, we're doing LA Barstow Vegas. I was going to ask you about that because I saw it on your site and I've, yeah. I've had friends that have told me they did it and it's either a love hate depending on which friend it was. <laughs> it's, well, it looks it, fun. It is. It, it's fun. It's a, it's a bucket list thing for people and you know, East coasters, it's so hard to get out there. So that's why I say, you know what, what's nice about it is, um, we're covering in the cost covers hotel, they, you know, they have to do their own food, but covers hotel, covers their bikes, getting out there and back. And then we have the, you know, and it's only a two day event, but you know, you go from one to the other, to the other. And then, um, if people want to stick around and do St. Charles or St. George, um, they can stick around and it's a little, you know, it's a little extra fee and I'll, uh, depending on the amount of people that stick around, either we're going to do, uh, a hotel or we're going to do an Airbnb. There's a really nice Airbnb that I really like using. That's got uh, a hot tub and a heated pool. So that, oh. <laughs> right. So you can ride out, ride all day, come back, sit in the hot and tub, heated pool. And if we get enough people, um, I have a chef that'll come out and, and cook dinners, which would be oh. even better. So I luck out that I have two instructors that are, that are, pretty good chefs. My daughter's actually a, a, a real chef and I don't mind cooking myself. So that, that awesome. and I just want to get a huge shout out your son that you mentioned. He's uh, an army ranger. Yes. Medic. Yes. Medic. Yeah, so <laughs> thank, thank him, thank him from for, his service. for his service. Oh, That's, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. He's, he's a, he's a really good kid. And uh, yeah, the, it's funny it, trying to explain ranger to people because a lot of people don't understand what ranger regiment is over ranger tabs. You should be way more familiar and, with military and it's, people. it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, he just uh, validated the other day. So he's pretty excited. That's awesome. Congratulations yeah. there. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. But, yeah, so that's, that's uh, what we do in a nutshell. Sounds <laughs> awesome. That sounds yeah. like the only way to go Barstow to Vegas, <laughs> whatever. I'll Just tell you, you, you know, guys, that uh, uh, L.A. Barstow to Vegas is, I think it's fun. Um, first day, you know, it's a short run. Second day is a long run. I mean, it's 240 some miles second That's day. That's the one I think I've heard the older yep. guys saying, oh, man, that was a bear. But That's day all glad like they, they're glad they yeah. did it. Yeah, it's it's all uh, single track and double track. It's dusty. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest complaint. Dusty, sandy. Um, and it, it really wasn't super bad sandy-wise, I didn't think, but I love sand. So Yeah, um, it's funny. <laughs> People that ride sand. Uh, I got a buddy. My first race was 80 miles. It was sand, and I had never ridden in sand. I ask him, he says, I don't remember any sand out at Chimney Rock. <laughs> get to the race and it was all sand. He <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. Well, you, think, you know what I hate? You know what I uh, like the least is that gravel, that like one inch round r- river washed gravel that mm-hmm. is in the washes that acts like sand but is worse. Yes. That's what wears you out. Yeah. Now that makes it. Because it doesn't pack. No. Yeah. 
and no matter what, and you're always sinking it. It's always loose, and you just can't get your <laughs> balance right. It's it throws you around. It's not yeah. It throws it's like riding in a ball pit. Yep. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> you <laughs> know, down, you do that, down in Baja, there's that. There's uh, <laughs> to get on the beach. There's those sections where there's they're rock and they're like mm, bigger than softball, but kind of that range, and they're super smooth, and you have to go across them to get on the beach. And it's about a, I'd say 20 yards of that kind of rock to get on the beach. So you come down on that stuff and it's, that's challenging because that stuff moves like you would not believe. You'd think, oh, it's been sitting there for so long. It's going to be packed. Nope. It just, it parts like the water. <laughs> oh, that's Johnny Mac's favorite thing to throw me on. Called yeah. Rock gardens. Let's go ride <laughs> the rock gardens. Oh God. Again. <laughs> until you don't say again then we're gonna do them <laughs> say, well, say yeah awesome. all right let's do it let's do it well we appreciate you taking the time to yes hang out with us and yeah tell us your story and i mean i want to go now i want to go do i know it say yes thing <laughs> well i appreciate you guys inviting me on i've been I've been on a whirlwind podcast uh, tour this last uh, couple of weeks. It seems like I've gotten a lot of requests for that, which is which is fun. I love talking. If you guys That's can't awesome. tell, <laughs> yeah, I, I I just I love listening to you talk about motorcycles. You can tell your excitement and your passion, and that you truly do love the sport. I love to ride, and and like I yeah. said in the beginning, if you don't love to ride, you're you're never going to get really good at it. So you got to find something that you love to do in it, whether it's touring, whether it's, you know, because a lot of people jump on these big bikes and try to ride some rough stuff. And it's like, stop, go to a little bike, ride the little bike, and then move up to this. You know, get, get some confidence, get it where you're just having fun. Give yourself a chance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Starting single track on a 1250. For your first time, probably not the best. <laughs> right, right. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, guys. All right. Well, well, best thanks. of luck to you on your trip. Yeah. And uh, if you pass Crystal, make sure you stop or I can be mad. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know the routine. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. All right. Okay. So, uh, this is the after interview. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Todd is an amazing person. That's the second, well, third time I've talked to him. Um, we had a phone call setting up the interview and like I was on break at work and I had 15 minutes and I like walked back into work, still talking to him on the phone. I think we (laughs) talked for like 25 (laughs) minutes, just about. Shit, he's uh, an amazing guy. I, I really enjoy talking to him. Knows his stuff. Very good guy, man. Was that was a fun, uh, fun podcast for sure. It was um, learned a lot. I know you've said this many times. I can't remember if you've said it on the air, but the people we have met through this podcast. I mean, and not just like the people we've interviewed, but the people we've met. Uh, out and about you know, and out and about that have listened to it or, you know, the people in discord, 
you know, the people we've talked to through the Patreon, you know, the Zoom calls and stuff like that. It, it's just, that's, it, it's worth its weight in gold. Yes, it's its own paycheck. It's It's been very cool. It is. So that being said, we still have to pay the bills. Yes, let's pay the bills. <laughs> so if you... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, we're back to the witness protection shit again, huh? Yeah, I guess What's so. Yeah. And you know what? I think I'm going to leave that in there. All right, Just hit reverse. Show everybody that we're, we do make mistakes. See, we're so, not AI, okay? We're not. Nobody gave me artificially intelligent stuff. No. So what I was going to say is if you are planning on going on a trip, like uh, the one that Todd's got going on. I'm sure they're, I think he said they're staying at hotels and stuff like that. But if you're doing like camping trip and stuff, you need to use discount code throttled ADV over at Moto Camp Nerd. He has all of your camping needs, whether you're a moto camper, hiker, bike, you know. Totally true. Camper. He's even got stuff you don't even know you need. Absolutely. You will. <laughs> yes, I, I've I've gotten to the point where I can't go there and look anymore because I just want to spend money. Yeah, it's, especially now. <laughs> That's supposed to be good. Well, on a side note, Utah blocked porn, so now I just go to motocampnerd.com. Sorry, Ben, it's not like that. I'm just looking at the gear. I'm just looking at the gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we were talking about uh, hairy cougars. <laughs> <laughs> And non-hairy ones. Oh, God, that was so fucking funny. <laughs> no. And he jumped right in, head yep. first. That was funny. Um, yeah, so... Say, this is an American pie, Stifler. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> Stifler's mom. Stifler's mom. has got it going on. Oh, wait, that's yes. Stacy's So you can, you can also use that discount code over at Mototomic. Yes, because after listening to this podcast, you might need a hug. And you can get one there for 10% off. Yes. Gas can hoodie. Yeah, they're good in the rain. I wore mine the other day when I went out on the Honda because it was only like freaking 63 degrees. I know. You can feel the chill of winter's tit coming on. Sure. Sucks. But it's still August. It should be like, this has been one of the coolest uh, summers to my recollection. But I don't know. I just had to. Look outside, and I'm going to build an ark. Yeah, Chappie got out on the 250. I did. Had a nice rip. Um, But I wore my Mototomic sweatshirt underneath my jacket to keep me warm. I usually carry one of of my Mototomic dry bags, usually the 10-liter on the Honda. Small bike, small small package. (laughs) Oh, that boy, did not oh, come boy. out right. <laughs> well, if you want to admit that on air, that's uh, yeah. All right. Feel free to do what you want. This isn't YouTube. We're not going to censor you. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I have to throw this out there, so I don't. I know paying the bills and all that, but um, I watched a video the other day, and uh, YouTube's got some new rules. And uh, if you know what the World Health Order is organization world health Uh organization yeah 
So anything you say contrary to anything that they decide they want to say, they will just cut your video out. You're done. So here we go again. So get out and adventure, people. While the sun's out, while the weather's good, and while you still can can. say stuff on on air. Hopefully, WHO will not uh, ban adventures. So, back to... Back if they do, I'm going to ban them. Yes. They're banned. <laughs> um, you can oh, also... Oh, speaking of, we've got Mototomic, we've got Motocamp Nerd. I have the ultimate test for our official luggage, Moscow Moto. Hmm. They also make gear you can wear. I have the Basilisk. Jappy has the Basilisk. I... As I was the wet noodle out in literal flash floods and warnings that say could lead to death came over my phone. Literally, I took picture, but uh, I stayed. I saw it. I saw it. It, it, it was true. It was true. <laughs> I just didn't show that one to the wife till I got home. But <laughs> I did. Uh, I did stay dry as could be, except for one time because it was still hot before it would. Started raining all of a sudden. You left your I had open. all the vents open, all my jacket, the whole pants, everything open. <laughs> <laughs> and in the time it took to pull over and zip them up, yeah, I was a little wet. But man, what we went through, and I even went through hail. And I stayed dry as could be as long as I was smart enough to do up the zippers. Yeah, there's good stuff. Yes, uh, Moscow Moto, the official luggage of Throttled Adventures. And don't forget B-Moto. B-Moto. Just a quick note on, like, the Moscow. Like, that's our choice. We're not saying that, you know, you have to go get it. But um, if you do decide that you want some Moscow stuff, make sure you tell them that uh, you heard about it here or we sent you. Yeah, because that helps. Do. It does help, and uh, yeah, he's right. Like we've bought our stuff that we wear, haven't gotten it free. Um, no, I've chased Moscow Mo- Moscow Moto down. You know, trying to get them to be the official luggage for about four years. That's how uh, serious I am about it. So, yeah, that's good stuff. I, w- Chappie, I was go stand in the first. rain. Go stand in the rain before next podcast, and you can give us a report. Hey. I got rained on on the way back from New Hampshire. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I I drove and it was, it was pouring. Like it, like it took the temperature from like 95 to 75. That's the only good thing about rain. Really? Yeah. When you're sweating, dying of heat exhaustion, and then all of a sudden 20 degrees cooler. Um, Kept you dry. Mine did not leak through the vents. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I was trolling. No, I I didn't have the pant vents open, I think. I ah. just had the jacket, and um, I may have forgotten the back ones. I don't know. But I did not get wet. Anywho, um, yes, and uh, B-Moto. Uh, be fast, be winning, B-Moto. Uh, if you, you need go. any work done on your motorcycles, you can ship the stuff to them. They'll take care of it. Uh, they've got my parts and uh, 
So we're expecting to see something fairly soon. Yes. As soon as they're done fondling your parts, they will send them back um, to you. Paul, uh, he actually had to have race tech make like machine parts for uh, the Fox shock. So yeah, it's it's kind of a vintage part. If I understand. Yeah. It's uh, It's it's like like a $3,000 shock. I think we should get more expensive as we get older. We should, but (laughs) I don't know. I'm an antique. (laughs) Doesn't help. I'm like that shirt. I identify as a 25 year old. That doesn't work either. No, that doesn't work. I, you know, after the YouTube sensor thing, I got really upset last night. I started going down rabbit holes. And I remembered this shirt that I wanted, and my parents wouldn't get it for me. I think Axl Rose were in, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. I can't. That time period is a little fuzzy to me. Sorry. But anyway, I had a picture of Charlie Manson on it. And it said, is it hot in here or am I just crazy? And I wanted it so bad because I thought that was funny as hell. So I I Googled it, and it's like there's one on Etsy for like 400 bucks. Damn. Yeah. They used to sell them at this, you know, in the mall at the uh, Spencer's, whatever. Anyway. Things were different back then. Yeah, different, but see, more expensive. And somebody's already wore it, too. Right. (laughs) I can smell your underarms. You smell like that. Never mind. You'll have to watch the video. I ran into some interesting people on my trip on the uh, way home. You know, I, I love, I would never say anything to upset one percenter. But they, most of them that I've met uh, have a certain cologne, let's just say. <laughs> It's, it's the, I've been on the bike for a few days. You know, I get the same thing. I probably smelled exactly the same way. So, but I was like, I could tell someone was coming up behind me when this guy came up to talk to me. <laughs> Either that or the wind just blew and it was me. It could have been me. That's probably more likely. <laughs> Although I had had a hotel, so I should have smelled okay. That's funny because they say when you're out camping, you've been out there for over a week. And nobody's been showering. You can't smell anybody but yourself. It, it could have been me. Uh, I'll be honest. It could have been. Huh. He was a nice guy, know. though. He he had put 20 bucks, gave the cashier 20 bucks. And uh, his his Harley only took 17. So he was he was trying to get my attention, asked me if I needed three bucks. But I had just filled up. I thought huh. that was pretty cool that he asked. Yeah. Especially a Harley to a Beamer. Yeah. Then we chatted for a little bit, but. Yeah. Cool. Either he's really nice or he was prospecting. I'm not sure, but probably not a Beamer guy. They would, yeah. <laughs> we probably figured with the price of your bike. Yeah, but I, the Harleys are more expensive than the yeah. Beamers. Yeah. Man, I saw some good Harleys on there. We're about the same price anyway. I don't know. Until you start adding all the stuff. Well, again, BMW, same. Any yeah. adventure bike. I mean, biker period. Maybe we do get more expensive as we get older, actually. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know, but you should go to B Moto, Moto Atomic, Moto Camp Nerd, Firebox. Uh, oh yes, we all Jesus, we almost forgot that. Yeah, the, in the description as well. Uh, what discount code? Uh, moto uh, slap, not slash dash. 
dash vid. Get you 10% off of the uh, the one that's in the link below. Steve, yeah, uh, not the COVID, owner. Motovid. Yeah, Motovid. <laughs> no, COVID will be too. back in about two months. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, I saw a sign the other day that uh, said, my wife's already COVID told shots me. Right here. My wife's already told me they're talking at work about it and about masks and about all this bullshit. I ain't doing it. But anyway. I thought it didn't didn't exist anymore. They keep changing their mind. It was the flu. Excuse me. I'm sorry. A very bad flu. Anyway, (laughs) Steve, the the owner of uh, Firebox, actually has a 701 and occasionally does moto camping. He broke his foot, so it's been almost a year. But he just put out a video, and he basically invented a Firebox setup for moto camping because, you know, the Firebox is great. It can be a little bulky, but he... He literally cooks his coffee, you know, cooks like steak, eggs, uh, fish, all this stuff. And then after dinner, he always has to bake some sort of goodie. So this this firebox thing's pretty cool. Yes, I saw that. That was that was really cool. And it looks like it uh, comes in its own little carrying case. It does. And then you use it for like the the bottom. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it comes with the. Uh, kind of the burner i mean you can use it with sticks you could do that still but it comes with a burner and it's uh, adjustable so you can simmer or you can sear or you know which a lot of things don't do jet boil you're either or you're not (laughs) right so yeah i know i i thought it was really cool he is uh he is of the moto camping crowd he you know he's got some vids and he they're inexpensive too they are Cheaper than a jet boil. It's cheaper than a jet boil. Yep. And you can do more with it. You can definitely do more with it. Yeah. It's hard to cook and steak with a jet boil. And if you want to see this thing can. in action, you can either go to his channel or you can just go to Cody's channel. I saw Cody cook uh, two like freaking dinosaurus <laughs> steaks on it. Yeah, you're about to see more me of Fred of Flintstone, the size of the steaks you put on there. No small packages. Brontosaurus here. burgers. No small packages here. <laughs> Only on Sunday. But uh, on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, we've we've made this episode yes. really, really long, but yes. All stuff this might be the longest. But yes. Uh yeah, if you're interested in Firebox, uh check it out. It's very inexpensive unbelievable price and they're made out of metal so they're not going to go bad yeah you've had yours for six years yeah quite yeah right around there as long as i've known you pretty much i've actually i actually own like a four fireboxes right now and i'm I'm getting getting the new one (laughs) you know i like i like to support him steve is such a good guy i mean he's he's local to me he's about well he lives about 15 minutes from my youngest daughter just moved out there, but nice. Great guy. He does, you know, the overlanding type stuff has a really cool truck, takes his family camping, but they always cook the most uh, like meals that I have a hard time cooking at home. They cook out on the campsite. So, Oh, I, I seen him like he's a firebox and he's got this big can and he like makes roll dinner rolls and shit. And it's like, yeah, holy crap. 
I mean, he taught me how to make pizza, which is <laughs> yeah, that's right. I I was telling my buddy about that today because I showed him the the firebox. Yeah, and I says, yeah, Cody used this and a stone and made pizza while he was camping. He goes, what? Yeah, I made some for Tim this trip too. <laughs> that's awesome. That is a definite awesome skill. Yes. Alrighty. Peace Thank out. you all I'm for going listening. To a movie. I'm going to go see Dracula or something. I can't remember what it's called. Dracula. You're going to a movie now? Yeah. In a few minutes. Nice. Well, I need to change. Change out of your Jordan drill? Yeah. <laughs> Probably put some deodorant on so the wife doesn't think I am a oh. traveling biker again. Mm. I am, but, you know. Motorcycle hobo. Alrighty. Thank you all for listening. And Thank you so much. Let's invade your ear holes. It's coming back. What is it?